0: So first I want to say, you know, um, these talks, uh, sometimes I think they're just, you know, you spend all day kind of listening to yourself rattle away and then you can come to a talk and, um, you know, you can, in a sense, kind of let go of your own story and listen to somebody else's playing with story so it occupies you, you know. What a trip we're on. So I thought I'd start tonight first with um, <clears throat> so there are these um, uh, three yogis. They go up to the high mountains and uh, there's a pond and uh, a beautiful little cabin and they're all there, uh, three of them practicing away. And uh, one morning they decide, oh, we'll go to the other side of the pond and, and practice. So they go over to the other side of the pond and uh, Uh, They're all practicing, and and then one of them says, Oh, darn! uh, I forgot to hang up uh, my laundry. So he goes walking across the water uh, to the other side and hangs up his laundry, you know. And then he comes back, you know. And uh, a few minutes later, the other Mike says, Oh, I forgot to hang up my underwear. So he gets up and he walks across the water, you know and uh, hangs up his underwear and comes back, and and, uh, and the third yogi is sitting there, and he's, he's, you can see him fuming, you know. He's going, well, this must be a test, you know. Uh, if they can walk across the water, then I can too, you know. And so he diligently goes out and steps and falls into the pond, you know. And he gets up, and, and with great vigor and Uh, Vitality and decides, you know, a little virya, he's going to try it again. So he tries it again, he goes back in, you know. So he does this a series of times. And then the one yogi turns to the other one, the one that went across the water, and said, Do you think we should tell him about the rocks? You know. (laughs) So tonight, uh, you know, um, it's interesting, uh, this, it, it really is about the rocks. Uh, in the pond, uh, because really the satipatthana is, uh, in essence, kind of the, uh, it is the foundation of uh, what we're working with and how it works, you know. And it is a direct path, a direct path, I can say, to liberation, you know. So I have a poem I would like to read, just because uh, tonight I uh, want to explore a little bit around the, this. Um, first, just a little kind of overview of my own kind of overview of the, of the Satipatthana and the Four Foundations. Um, and then we'll see where we go, but I'm going to be on this word kaya, which is uh, translated as body or group. You know, but anyway, Feistings. feist things, feist. So, bodiness, the wind whistling through the valley, maybe it could blow the many thoughts and stories and feelings out through the hills, scattering them from miles and miles. Yet today, sitting here on this sore bum, knees a little creaky, Not sure why I would want to inhabit this fickle body. Difficult, pulling this buoyant mind down, down into this skittish body. Staying only a moment, then off again, prancing around, hoping to think myself out of all these discomforts yet remembering this sacred and enchanted place, this sacred and enchanted place, asking only to surrender to a body. Steeped in this natural loveliness, body, inhabiting body, Awareness, grounded in this home, destined to feel itself one breath at a time, making nothing, making nothing out of all of this, resting in its totality, body in body, heart in its fullness. So, first uh, I'd like to just uh, give a little bit of explanation here, my own kind of piece of this. and I really like the Pali words, you know, uh, the word is kaya uh, for body, and vedna for feeling, and citta for uh, heart-mind, and dhamma. Uh, for the processes, the universal processes. So uh, some description here first. You know, kaya, the word, uh, actually, uh, it's an interesting word in the sense it translates out of the Pali as group, a group of. And so there's really two parts of this. One is uh, we have the breath. So there is the, uh, you could say, the breath grouping, uh, which is not one thing, it's a lot of different things, if you haven't noticed, you know. And then there is body, which is also a grouping of lots of different things. And the practice here in the Satipatthana is our uh, first just the kind of the ground of recognizing that uh, Uh, the practice is uh, slow down. You know, to feel first uh, the intricacies of this unimaginable breath uh, as it breathes you. you no. Know. And the practice is simply that somehow, over and over again, that we begin to uh, simply inhabit know it's uh that simple, and we begin to see that you know there is um, experience of breath that's uh in the so do they talk about it internally and externally and uh, both internally and externally, and that uh, it is the experience um, of the arising and vanishing you know and you know this. You know, it's uh, such a, a simple uh, practice to, to sit there and do nothing. Um, leave all the mirrored stories and memories and uh, all our kind of fantasizing or the way that we think it was. You know, we sort of grab all those things and somehow they're more real. Uh, than the simple here, of just kind of sitting and um, not making anything more of it. Just sitting, you know, The breath breathing us, our ability to know it. You know, and it's arising and uh, it's vanishing. I've always had such a uh, experience, long experience of different levels uh, of uh, working with the breath. And probably the first ten years, I was just, oh, I took my nose, you know, the upper lip. And that's where I was trained to uh, bring my attention. And it had, it had uh, a lot of, um, I had a lot of ability and concentration in that. It was wonderful. You know, and I'd come out of the 60s with uh, a transcendent model, which was how I saw uh, this all worked in some way. And that somehow, uh, for me, uh, there was some process of getting out of this, you know, and not getting into it, but getting out of it. And it was a transcendent model, you know, whether it was through. different substances that uh, I consumed, uh, or whether it was fasting. But there was always this intensity from, you know, as I was saying, it's almost been 50 years, of this intensity of wanting to get free, but not knowing how in some way, and struggling with the ideals of uh, somehow um, my past and my history. And so I really wanted a transcendent model and it's the first thing I kind of came to, you know. And even when I uh, started these practices in the sense of uh, sitting, I think, you know, I think 1970 was my first, my first retreat, six weeks long, you know. And I learned a lot. But I couldn't get over this idea that somehow uh, I didn't want to turn around and Know or feel or experience my past in any way. I just wanted to burn all the bridges, and uh, you know I had been taught in somewhere somehow. Maybe it was just a cultural thing that somehow, um, if I could get what was it, if I could get high enough, I'd get out of this, you know. And it was really is the transcendent model, and uh, there is a lot of this. It's you know there can be pieces of it. It's helpful, but the Buddha also uh, he came out of the culture. Uh, the Brahmanistic culture that was based on the fact that uh, you could uh, desecrate the body, uh, totally uh, and almost annihilate it to a point where uh, you could transcend it and be somewhere else, which was true, he did. You know, he, he discovered all the means of doing that. You know, I love that, uh, in Patna, India, there's this uh, the kind of famous statue uh, of the Buddha when he was, uh, just before he got awakened, uh, where you, he's, they say, you know, he was what, what grain, one grain of rice a week, and he could touch his, um, when he touched his stomach, he would touch uh, his vertebrae, you know. And so you have this skeletal picture of this man who was in process of really transcending but dying. No. And, of course, the truth is, at that point, he saw, oh, there was a different model than the transcendent model. And you can say he really then took his base and said, oh, this is about transformation, that I have to transform what and who I am. You know? So what we know is, uh, you know, he went and sat under the bow tree, and um, fearlessly, uh, he didn't eliminate uh, the hindrance of the difficulty. Uh, he actually, uh, you know, there's a beautiful picture in, in Sarnath where he did his first teachings in the walls of a, a Sri Lankan monastery there. And um, there's a picture of the Buddha sand, sitting under the bow tree and there are the Ten Armies uh, of Mara, the tempters, that come and, you know, try to seduce him. And, and, uh, but all this material comes at him and he is, uh, there's these halos around him. And as they hit uh, this body that's in the process of uh, going from uh, suffering to awakening, that uh, they turn to flowers. And then closer they come, they turn to petals, and the petals fall at his feet. It's a lovely uh, kind of painting of, I think, how uh, this works in some way, you know. That uh, we're not trying to get out of it, we're trying to actually transform uh, our uh, maras and let them actually uh, be, uh, in some ways, uh, known to us, you know, In my own practice over the years, I've gone from uh, this practice of, uh, for 10 years, it was very much about just keeping the attention on a point. And uh, I had great experiences with it. And then I went from there, I went to, uh, actually the next 10 years was about bringing my attention down uh, into my belly. You know, which was not so pointed in some ways and had less, Um, in some ways uh, the concentration was different you know of just uh, feeling the rising and falling of the breath you know and then as the years went by the kind of integration of this practice uh, I suddenly started to get uh, what it was it was the integration between uh, this breath kaya and body kaya that they began to kind of come in together uh, and be known for for what they are. In the sutta itself, in this uh, kind of arising and vanishing that happens, um, there is uh, this practice of what they call the four postures. And you're all uh, working those four postures. And one of the things that's interesting about the four postures is we lose it in the transitions. Have you noticed? You know? Uh, you sit or you're lying down in your room or whatever, and you you get up and you lose the continuity. You know? And it's one of those uh, delicate places uh, that uh, this continuity of the uh, actually, body awareness as it changes postures, and I say this to you because it's it's been uh, uh, boy, talk about it for losing it or forgetting or you know or being five paces before I realized uh, what was going on, you know. And so it's a very kind of and it's a very important kind of process is to kind of uh, become aware of the transitions. And along with the transitions uh, in this uh, is the fact that we, um, you know, we have to take care of ourselves. And in this case, in, this, in these conditions here, where we have a culture, uh, a culture that uh, we don't do too much. You know, you have your one yogi job, okay? Maybe you have two. Maybe you have three. I don't know. All I know is that this is another place that uh, you can actually take uh, this practice uh, as a means. And it's not means that when you're doing the dishes or the pots or whatever, that you, you, you can do it actually uh, somewhat at an okay speed. You don't have to slow down so much. Because it's really the continuity of the awareness itself. I remember I, I used to uh, teach this um, Retreat with uh, uh, Doctor Tintin, who was a, a Burmese, uh, who Saida in Burma uh, did not teach sitting. All she taught, she, they were very much into kind of uh, Lady Saida's movement in Burma, um, from sort of 1910 of the Abhidharma, and so she was very much into Abhidharma as a study, but the practice was moving at a normal speed, you know, and so. Uh, there would be. I do the, It was called on and off the cushion in the morning. We would sit and kind of use kind of the Mahasi or the uh, this uh, body scanning and the ubakin method. Um, and then in the afternoon, you know, people go out and they would uh, you know rake leaves or uh, they would do things, but they did it at a normal speed to be able to actually transition somehow. So there's a piece of this, and I think the yogi jobs, you know, uh, are uh, a piece of that learning that goes on here, even if it's only just one job, you know, it's a place where you support the community, but you also are really supporting this process of the satipatthana, you know, in its uh, awareness practice. So there's interesting. There's some lines in there that have been very touching to me. And uh, (laughs) I always kind of wondered about this. From the hairs on the head to the tip of the toes, and from the toes to the hair on the head. Well, actually, I've never felt the hairs on my head, you know. But uh, I spent years and years, uh, really, through the Ubakin system and Asenguenca, of this body scan of going up and down the body until the body got clear enough where I was just sitting in the center of things. You know, and uh, it was an incredibly uh, moving and helpful practice. And I, I bow down to S. N. Goenka for his um, his dedication. I traveled with him for years, you know, and uh, my uh, total heart and respect uh, for his integrity um, And so there was this body scanning. Later, in I think 1980, I took robes with a, uh, a Burmese teacher, a saida named Tangpulu Saida. And Tangpulu Saida uh, taught uh, this going through what he called the, 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 in the Satipatthana the 32 parts of the body. You know? And uh, he used to describe it as, as he got the incredible description of a car. And he'd say, is a car a car? Or is it the carburetor? Is it the, uh, you know, the uh, brakes? Is it, you know, and he'd go through all these parts of the car, you know, the seats and uh, all these things. But it was no different than these 32 parts of the body, you know, that we have to begin to learn to loosen uh, in some way our, um, you know, in this culture, Uh, We like the outside of the body. It's supposed to look a certain way and, you know, great clothes, all this stuff, you know, Uh, the outside. But this is talking about uh, internally as well externally, you know, both internally and externally, that we began to actually uh, inhabit, uh, uh, not just uh, make friends, but actually inhabit uh, the uh, parts of all this. You know, it's funny. I've got to tell a story. It's happened to me. and It was about two months ago or something. I was giving some teaching, and, and um, I heard this word selfie, you know, and I knew it was being put in the dictionary. Well, one of my noting techniques is uh, I use uh, selfing as a noting technique. So I thought for sure that this selfie had something to do with, suddenly America was waking up, you know, with this mindfulness revolution. And it actually had come to this great, great thing that's selfie, but I I didn't realize what it was. But, uh, you know, and then I gave this talk and and I went, oh, this must be, and then somebody said, no, no, you're wrong. (laughs) This is actually, you know, some picture you take with your iPhone or something, you know, and, uh, you know, is, you know, it's my generation, that's okay. You know? <laughs> so, um, but there are these, you know, in some way we have to start uh, experiencing the body uh, not as, you know, um, not as a separate thing, you know, uh, but an integration, the, the breath, uh, the body, Is something that uh, we need to learn to inhabit, you know. So, there are these going through these 32 parts of the body as a part of the Satipatthana. It's, It's just they're different, they're different methods of working with it, but it's all somehow to break it apart, you know. And so we have the word car, but it's actually a lot of parts. The same way we have this thing person, this thing body. But it's actually uh, a huge amount of components, you know. It's interesting because uh, in my experience of this is that um, kind of going through the body uh, I have no idea, you know, I know what the word liver, uh, kidney, uh, uh, arm, all these are, in the sense, words for points in space. You know, they're just points in space where the mind kind of is inhabiting. You know. And a lot of this is going from uh, the language itself, the naming that goes on, happens uh, to an actual just simple experience you know and in this simple experience uh, another aspect of this is uh, in the Satipatthana is uh, what is known as the um, uh, the elements and I, I like this and it's a wonderful practice also out of some of the Burmese idahs of um, earth, air, water, fire, and air, the wind, air. So, and earth. Um, these four elements, you know. And the thing is, is uh, it's how we experience them, you know. And for me, in practice, it was uh, in a sense of ground. And I am so. Um, in somewhat, I'll use the word "enamored" of ground. You no, know, another story. You know, I, this was a. I think we are having a teachers' meeting here, and so I live up in uh, the foothills of the Sierra Nevadas. And so I came down, and I was more than halfway in the valley. A, a little town, and there's a convenience store, and I stopped there. And I'm kind of a country boy, a pump country bumpkin, really. And I had I have an iPhone at, the, I had at that time, and it had a little slot on my uh, uh, dashboard there where I had it hooked, and, and uh, I didn't think anything about it. And somebody and there had cameras, and people were there. Somebody broke my window and took the iPhone, you know. And I must say, you know, um, what I did was at first I got a hold of the the head of this, conveni- the owner, or no, the manager of this convenience store. And I started walking back and forth, and I was completely disembodied. You know, I was totally out. I was, you know, I was often, uh, you know, cloud, uh, lost everything, you know. Uh, you know, everything was, you know, our, that's, all of our lives are in these things sometimes, you know. So I was uh, really kind of caught, you know. And I went back and forth, back and forth, and uh, at some point, I recognized it. And so I stopped, and I stomped my feet. I had to do this several times, so I didn't do it. It was, um, you know, just to kind of... But it was that sense of, oh, I disembodied, you know, and I needed to find a way to ground. And grounding was, I had to stomp my feet to get back in my body. And that once that my mind was kind of back in my body, then... It was amazing what happened, you know. Uh, I got back in my body and I went, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And so I started feeling feel my breath. My breath was about, you know, about somewhere around my chin. And uh, at that uh, moment, you know, I, a great thing, I suddenly had this great compassion that somebody uh, was so desperate that in front of these people with a camera on him, he broke my window and took this phone. You know, and suddenly there was this incredible sense of, oh my God, you know, this man's got to be suffering. Something terrible to do this or, you know, whatever. But, but he was suffering, you know. And so there was that kind of moment where, um, you know, I wasn't worried about all my information, you know. I was actually, uh, that by getting myself back into my breath and my body, then there was a natural sequence of experience, you know. So these elements, uh, for me, ground is so important—the earth element, which is really, in a sense, about heaviness and lightness. Uh, there is uh, the uh, air element, you know, which sometimes you'll be sitting there, and I know it happens to me, and suddenly there'll be like this wind element, and my body will just, and then it stops, and I go, oh. I know that one, that's air element moving through me, you know. And then there's gurgling, you know. And I recognize the sense of cohesion and fluidity the water element, you know. And uh, I find, like ground, uh, the fire element, you know, uh, times when you know, you're cold or hot or cool or warm, uh, that you can actually notice these elements and be able to somehow, you know, all these processes are somehow that you're not caught in experience, but you're actually, there's some difference between the content of what's going on and the process of what's happening, you know. And that's really what we're working with here. Is, oh, can I kind of, in a sense, kind of, how are these methods to just step back and see it, more in its wholeness, you know. So these are components. Now, the next one I'm going to talk about here uh, is very unpopular, by the way. Uh, I don't know anybody who does much of this stuff in in our culture, but it's uh, the nine charnel grounds. You know? And uh, in my years since 2006, I've been going up to do retreat in, in, uh, uh, in India and, and behind the Himalayas and up at about 12,000 feet, in this monastery. And, and um, there was this, there's this mountain that um, you, uh, every day I would go and circumambulate it, and there was the trial grounds. You know, so I'd go down, and believe it or not, I, I would, I, I, I'm just attached type, because I would get attached to some of these, you know, bodies and things going on down there that uh, um, were in kind of their process there. And I have to tell you this one, I, I kind of, there, there was the floods in Ladakh. Uh, this was uh, 2010, and um, sitting during those floods, uh, they were in the little village where about 400 people uh, died, you know. It was so traumatic. Uh, all, they were all in their, uh, you know, their old tents up as high up on the hills and complete uh, fear, you know. And uh, they would bring these bodies, and, and the Indian Army had brought all this uh, wood to burn the bodies, you know. It's mostly always, I have to say, you know, it's mostly men that were, were there and stuff. And, um, and I went down and there was, a, 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 off onto the side, they burned this uh, woman and she had blonde hair. And uh, usually they break up the bones and they, um, they left her, her, you could see, you know, that she was all folded up and they left her skull, you know. And so I would go down And I would uh, say hello And uh, I became attached to uh, her bones I'm supposed to be learning to be detached But, um, you know, it was just one of these things We just don't have that, you know My grandparents had a uh, funeral home And so when I was a kid, you know, you know kids And uh, so uh, in the house we would uh, uh, go down One of the things was to touch dead bodies (laughs) You know, as little kids, you know. And so we had this whole thing with dead bodies and all that. And so I actually learned a lot about it, I think. Um, But uh, my grandparents had a, uh, up on the fourth floor, and uh, they had like a casket room and, uh, you know, the embalming room, all these things. And up on the fourth floor, there was a little, there was two rooms. And there was a room across from me, and there was a room where um, uh, I stayed. And in the room across uh, was, uh, my grandfather was known for his, uh, the art of reconstruction, you know, and makeup, uh, you know, for uh, viewing. And uh, he would make plaster parishes of the faces, you know, so there'd be all these plaster parishes of dead people. You know, and as a little kid, you know, you would open that up and look at all these faces, and you, you know, and then I'd go and oh my God, I'd have terrible dreams, and you no, know, I, I wanted to leave right away, you know, and uh, you know, uh, maybe started my dharma journey, who knows, you know, um, but it was always kind of uh, what is all this, you know? And they talk about this whole process that uh, somehow. In the tradition, uh, a monk, you know, one of the things is, young monks particularly, uh, they actually take them to the morgue uh, so that they can, in a sense, customize themselves to what is actually going to happen, you know. And um, it's wonderful to know that uh, you have a one-way ticket, and this is it, you know. And wherever you are in that continuum, and by the way, there is no, um, what's it, the date? You know, like on yogurt or milk or something. Uh, 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 Sorry, you you don't have an expiration date. We don't know it. You know, it's also a mystery, you know. But the fact is to actually start to contemplate this, you know, and see how, um, you know, uh, I remember I was up teaching in Montana one year, and there was uh, with Mary Grace, and there was a dead buck. And then one of the things we do every day is go out and you know walk up, and you pass this dead buck, and as it you know you know, you know. but it was again uh, you know uh, there's a piece of this. It's, it's a very sobering process, but I, I'm just going to also counteract that because I'm talking about the death process, you know. Uh, This is uh, Ajahn Chah at uh, IMS years ago. And everybody was being so serious. And, you know, they were all walking and, you know. uh, And, uh, you know, a little kind of pixie as he was, you know, uh, would go up to him and say, I hope you get well soon. (laughs) So, I hope you get well soon, you know. But it's more than that. You know, it's a lot more than that, you know. The instructions, uh, and particularly body, and I feel that somehow uh, that this is a practice of embodiment that we have to then begin to inhabit, you know. And the breath is the door. Uh, The transitions... Uh, The work in the sense of here, kind of minor, in the world are important. Do we support each other through the yogi jobs? No. And you sit uh, and uh, you make friends. You own. I, I hated the idea when I finally realized I had to own my past. Uh, I remember one 10-day, re- I just cried the whole 10 days. You know, i just, it's like, oh my God. You know, I didn't even know I'd suffered as much as I had until I sat down and shut up. And uh, I a- was and am an adventurer, you know, going overland to India in the 60s was uh, it's rather traumatic, you know. Uh, you know, uh, a lot of crazy things and crazy people. So I had to kind of sit down and begin to own the complexity of my relationships, my family system, Uh, kind of be honest. And this is really asking you to be honest um, in every means of your past. uh, And by the way, you know, the thing about the past and we believe it was this one way. No. And we get caught up and kind of hold that story uh, as our kind of our flag of how it is. And from these practices, the question is, uh, is that story actually true? You know? You know, there are pieces of it, yes, but, you know, we are such manipulators that we, you know, that thing of the, uh, as I say, my kind of noting technique is, I use this, you know, I I loved, I had one, uh, you know, for thinking nonsense, you know. But uh, mine was, oh, there I am, selfing again, you know, selfie again. Um, You know, how we do this, you know. And eventually, you know, uh, I do believe that, um, and I can say this now, that a lot of the, most of the time, I and except when people take my iPhone and break my window, uh, I'm pretty much in my body, and I feel it's this place, this ground, is a sense of peace and ease. That's where this is all ultimately going.
1: You,
0: know? you get over yourself. You, know? you get over your history. You know, and you see that uh, what is contained, not in the past or in the future in any way, uh, is enough. You know. So I think that's enough for you tonight. You know, a little bit more because I'll just I'll finish and then I'll read my poem again. So we have kaya. This word kaya which, um, you know, as I said, you know, um, is this group of conditions. The breath is a group of conditions. The body is a group of conditions. We can study it. I tried to give us kind of the different means of studying it in some way. You know, these were contemplating of really kind of getting uh, that this is about your freedom, you know, about kind of seeing the arising and vanishing, you know. And that there also is Vedna, feelings, that are associated within that body, you no, know, of pleasant, unpleasant, and non-pleasant, non-unpleasant, you know? It's a very complicated Vedna, it's a very complicated piece that we'll continue with, you know. And then there's this word jitta, which is the mind-heart and all the kind of uh, hate, love, uh, you know, the way we get caught up and also things like concentration also is part of that. So it's really this being able to study this mind-heart and be skillful with it in the same way that there is the dhamma or dharmas that uh, are simply, the Buddha was interested in it as, um, you know, uh, in the text they talk about it as uh, kind of looking at the aggregates and the sixth sense base and the the, uh, seven factors of awakening, um, you know, the Four Noble Truths. Uh, All these are universal principles. But it's also understanding that the Dhammas is also to understand, I, I think, the process, some of your personal processes. That's a surface material. But the Buddha wasn't interested so much in that as he was in the universal prim- principles of what uh, break down the separateness. You know? And if it breaks down the separateness, then uh, actually my body is your body. You know, your mind is my mind. Your feelings are my feelings. And so uh, there is actually, from its deepest place, a complete sense of non separateness. Isn't it wonderful to know that? You know? All the ideas are those, sometimes those nights where there was kind of some sense of separateness or loneliness or, you know, wanting there that kind of pulled you in some way. Then ultimately, you know, there was a fiction there. And that you were never separate from all of this, you know. So, I read my poem. I can go on, you know, We got to be careful, these teachers. You know, kind of, get, we, we get preachy sometimes, you know. So, Bodiness. The wind whistling through this valley. Maybe it could blow the thoughts and stories and feelings out through the hills scattering them for miles and miles. Yet today, sitting here on this sore bum, knees a little creaky, not sure why I would want to inhabit this fickle body. Difficulty pulling this buoyant mind down, down into this skittish body. Staying only a moment, then off again, prancing around, hoping to think myself out of all these discomforts, yet remembering the sacred and enchanted place, yet remembering this sacred and enchanted place. Asking only to surrender the body, steeped in its own natural loveliness, body inhabiting body, awareness grounded in this simple home, destined to feel itself one breath, one breath at a time. making nothing, nothing out of all of this, yet resting in its totality, body in body, heart fullness. Just sit for a moment. So may you rest with the angels, whoever they are.